0: Why don't we open with a word of prayer before we begin on this critical discussion about parents and and their role in the school, especially problems with parents. Heavenly Father, we so desire to partner with parents well. Father, we desire for uh, families that need to be connected with our schools to be there. And for those that need to be somewhere else, frankly, to be where they need to be as well. We pray for discernment. We pray for wisdom for each one who is, is sitting in this, um, this session today. We pray, Lord, that you would speak to us and that you would just reveal things that we may not have considered before or just refresh principles and applications that, that we've already come across for your glory. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. We are considering some proactive ways to address issues that we may have with with parents. Uh, I do want to dedicate this particular session, I say this tongue-in-cheek, to Cindy Scott, Amy, Art, and uh, the British people whose name I can't recall that helped develop my concept of um, troubling parents. (laughs) I say that lightheartedly. I have I need to really couch everything that we, we discussed today in terms of we understand that without parents, we don't have our schools. And without uh, without the parents that, that we have, uh, we don't love what we're doing as much. Uh, you know, 90-some-odd percent of the parents that are connected with our schools are wonderful. Uh, they're a great fit. They are ideologically on the same page. They're supportive. They um, just come basically with the same mindset. There's unity. They're fans of the school, and we're fans of, of their families, and it's a it's a wonderful working relationship. But about once or twice in each school year that I've served, I've come across you know a family that wasn't a great fit for us, and vice versa. There's a proper fit for them. So that's part of what we want to con- consider today is how we know the difference there, how do we discern, um, and how do we just answer parental concerns on a more general basis? How do we handle those issues that come up um, that parents bring? So I also want to say in a way of a caveat that when parents bring concerns that they may have, that's not a negative in and of itself, right? That, that if they have a heart for the school, if they have a heart to see us improve, They're a partner with us because we want to be the best we can be, amen? So when we have that kind of input, again, if it's as best as we know from the right heart, again, to improve the school, our processes, our instruction, our curriculum, whatever it may be, again, to make us more effective, that's part of that partnership. So we encourage that. We survey. We ask. We sit down and discuss. We arrange for committee meetings with parents definitely represented on those committees, and we want to know that feedback because we are striving for excellence for the Lord's glory, right? So, again, not all criticism is bad. Uh, Not all feedback that seems to have a critical eye to it, by any means, should be just thrown in the trash. We need to process it properly. Let me ask a question. When a parent has a concern or a difficulty with a, a teacher or a policy or a decision made by the school, uh, whether it be leadership or et cetera, whose side should administrators or administrative staff be on? What, what was that? Christ's side, very good. <laughs> okay, how am I going to beat that? <laughs> it's like the answer in Sunday school, it's always Jesus, Amen. Well, that wasn't my answer, so I feel pretty unspiritual at the moment. <laughs> no, I, I think it segues well, actually, because I believe that Jesus, that Christ is on all of our sides. He wants us all to succeed. And so my answer was everyone's side. I think we ought to be considering wearing the other moccasins uh, of every stakeholder, basically, the, the parent involved or parents, uh, certainly considering uh, whoever may be involved on staff when we consider an issue or a concern that they bring we want everyone to win we want everyone to improve in their roles in our in our partnership in christian uh, education another important question to ask when a concern is raised an opportunity to uh, to address an issue is raised is is the concern valid well, we need to consider both sides of an issue in proverbs 18:13 He who answers before listening, that is his folly and his shame, is what is recorded there. So we don't want to answer too quickly. I don't know if you noticed, uh, there was just a news story that came out where a federal government um, agency member was dismissed by uh, the agency that she worked for, and they didn't have all the facts. Did you come across that story? They dismissed her. They thought she said a certain thing, and they had just sniffed part. Someone had just sniffed part of what she had said out of a video, and that came to that um, supervisor's attention, and they let her go. Well, now they're having to publicly apologize. And we don't want to be in, in a sticky situation like that. We want to be professional. We want to be thorough. We want to investigate situations and know all that we need to know in order to answer wisely about a concern that's brought. So again, there are valid concerns. There are valid complaints for school improvement. And uh, and then there are also those that seem to be motivated by something other than helping the school improve. If there is a valid issue, obviously we'll need to address it. But if it's brought to us and, and we're not the appropriate person to whom it should have been brought, that's another concern. And so... Another question to consider when there is an issue that rises is, was the parent concern brought to the appropriate person? Does everyone use the Matthew 18 principle at your school? Are you familiar with that? What does that say, basically? How do you phrase it out to your parents? How do you? Oh, no, it's okay. Pray about it first and then directly to the person with whom you have the concern. Yeah, that's largely how we say it too. Um, You know, in the context of the Bible, what's going on there is a brother or sister has offended you, and you go to that person one-on-one. If they don't hear you, you take somebody with you, and you go through it again. Um, Yeah, in the context of the school, it's a good point. We, We don't need them to go to other people. So the principal there is extracted for the school to say, if you have a concern, go to the person who is responsible at the school for that area, right? And if it's not addressed as as they hope or whatever, they're going to then go to that person's supervisor, but they should go to the teacher or they should go to uh, the administrative staff person, whatever would be be best appropriate in that situation. First on the uh, list. And when they do not do that, we should have the uh, gumption, so to speak, to, to say, have you gone to that person? If you're an administrator, try to make sure that they have gone to the teacher first if they're bringing a concern that they have that relates directly to something the teacher did or oversaw. Because if we just jump in, we're going to undermine the teacher. If we just try to handle it ourselves, it's not really the first line of business for the administrator. We should say, Have you talked to Mrs. So-and-so or Mr. So-and-so? And And if they say no, um, typically you want to direct them back to the teacher or to the person, again, directly responsible for that area at the school. Does that make sense? There are times when something's been brought to me, and I say on occasion, um, something that directly relates more appropriately appropriately to the administrator function uh, it may deal with policy um, it may be that a teacher will need help in solving the problem and I know that so they're telling me their issue the parent is and, uh, and so I will get involved but I'm gonna come alongside the teacher I'm not going to to just take care of it or I'm not going to uh, take the side strictly of the parent and uh, and come back and tell the teacher, you know, this is what I've decided. I'm going to get with the teacher, and we're going to discuss it. I'm going to get her input or his input, and then together we're going to make a decision about it. Does that make sense? And that's that's happened on a few occasions, but most of the time you want them to go back to whomever it should go directly to. Now our focus today, again, is going to be a little bit more focused on our intent upon considering... Uh, proactive measures that we can take, and, and then also just what to do with a difficult parent. So this is not necessarily a valid complaint. There's something beyond just, again, the desire to help our school. They brought a concern to us, and so we're going to hash that out, and everything's just going to work out well. There's an issue. There's an issue with fit, potentially, and we have to discern these things. Okay, so there's... Let me, let me mention, too, if there's invalid input. After investigating, again, we don't answer before getting both sides or all sides of the story, uh, but after we have and we find that that the concern is invalid or maybe they just say something right off the top of their their heads that we know is invalid, um, then we want to definitely not give validity to that invalid statement or argument. In other words, if, if they say uh teacher... Is doing such-and-such such ineffectively but you have been in that classroom and you know that she is doing a good job with that that area obviously you want to support the teacher you want to do that anyway but but especially in an educated way to answer that concern can we hold questions or did you have just a statement go ahead well it's a good question the question was for the sake of the audio um, if the teacher says, or if the parent rather says, "Yes, I have talked to the teacher about this concern," and it depends on uh, a couple things as to what what I would do, I def- definitely would then talk to the teacher. You know, again, probably regardless, I'm going to talk to the teacher because I don't want her or him to have um, the surprise that Mr. or Mrs. So and So gives them a call or, or shows up and and says, I've already talked to Mr. Ross in my case about this, and they haven't heard from me. So I'm going to give them a heads up um, to let them know this could be coming their way. But um, but then it is appropriate if they don't feel like it was resolved in, in, you know, to the degree that they are satisfied with that situation. It's appropriate. That's protocol for uh, the next person on the chain of command, so to speak, to address that issue. Did you have any other specific? Yeah. Now, that is, that is something that we need to tell parents to, that, that it's fine to follow up. You do want them to have their issue resolved, their concern resolved well. Okay, just in the way of uh, some proactive steps that I believe can help address things from the on onset uh, and reduce the likelihood of issues that we'll talk more about as we move along. Uh, we can make an effort to be approachable and respectful to all. I think we can create, I know we can, an environment, a culture that, um, that just really fosters respect. And so if there is an issue, you have that kind of culture in place where they, they first of all know that there's an open door to go to the right person. Uh, they know that they're going to be listened to, heard out, so to speak, that they're going to be respected. And that, that brings a lot of comfort to parents. Also, we can develop relationships and encourage relationship building among parents as well as between parents and school staff. So you can do that through events. You can do that through your language, how you just, uh, in, you know, we involve, of course, university model language like co-teaching and, and that uh, we just strive to, toward unity in the ways that we couch things in our language. Also, we can strive to provide timely and accurate information that we can communicate well and communicate, especially, I'll jump down, to painting a vision for that school culture that I mentioned a minute ago. Uh, We need to set initial boundaries. We need to talk to our parents and to our our faculty, our staff, or talk to each other on staff about uh, the Matthew 18 principle, for instance, and... um, and foster again boundaries, expectations that if you do have a concern, this is a person to go to in, in each each case. And also, I guess what I mean by this as well, extrapolating it out a little bit, in our informational meetings and in our parent interviews and those kinds of things, we're we're saying to them, our culture is healthy and we really appreciate that. It's birthed through prayer, it is birthed through a lot of effort and time and unity that that we want to protect, and so we we uh, just very very much purpose to encourage uni- unity and oneness, um, and and yet again, a culture that is open to constructive criticism. And I think if they don't feel like they can say something and be heard again, that it that has a constructive criticism to it you know, that kind of aspect to it, then you're more likely to have issues. So you do want to build that into the culture, that, um, that you're open to their input and that we do things again specifically to give them uh, the opportunity to give feedback. But having said that, there are boundaries and um, they're not going to come in and just run the school. You know, they're not going to come in and take over for, for a coach, if that's not their responsibility, or they're not going to come in and take over a, a teacher's classroom. And so, as, uh, if you're an administrator, it's your responsibility to make sure that parents especially know that boundary. They have a lot of input, and it's respected, appreciated, and yet there, there are good, healthy uh, lines in the sand, so to speak, as to where that stops. Okay, more proactiveness. We can be clear to our faculty members and administrative staff members about policies and procedures. I just came up with a couple examples. Is a male coach allowed to take a female student player home in his car you know, after practice? If, if you haven't talked about that at some level, or if you don't have something in writing, preferably, you know, that, that could be an issue. Can a math teacher have his or her separate grading scale for his or her class? That probably doesn't happen very often, but sometimes teachers just have an idea of how they think it ought to be. And does your system allow for that or doesn't it? Those kind of parameters for um, faculty and staff members can help. So everybody's just kind of on the same page. Also, we can aim to be above reproach. And I think, obviously, we all want to do that. Be filled with integrity in what we do. Um, Say what we mean and mean what we say. I think that's respected by our, by our parents. Build mercy and grace into policies and use language that encourages consistent application of these. You know, if you have the reputation, or if a, if a staff member or, or teacher has a reputation of being more kind of rigid, hard to work with, just won't listen, and, and those kinds of things. Uh, again, we need to have built in that kind of language in our in our in services, we need to have talked through our expectation is a certain level of grace and mercy. That if if a um, family members, well, I'll just tell you an example. Uh, if a mother of a parent dies, that you're going to give them a little extra time, all the time they need to get work in. You know, their their children's work in that week. Um, and you're not going to be rigid about that kind of thing. I mean, some of that's common sense you would think, but at times uh, people need to be encouraged. They need to understand our faculty and staff needs to understand those things are built in. Let's show some mercy. Let's 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 uh, be wise about these things. Encourage tempered and re- uh, reasonable grading and disciplinary action. One thing that I encourage our teachers and about is sucking the emotion out of things. I'm not talking about passion for learning. I'm talking about emotion in um, trying situations with a student or with parents. There are policies, there are procedures, there are classroom rules. The student breaks a rule. This is the consequence. They know because you've already said it as a teacher. You have communicated it um, to your parents probably as well. And the students know what the result is, and so there doesn't need to be um, on your discipline form exclamation points times times three and underlines and this real scratchy, long-handed, uh, you know, handwritten note. Um, we we can temper all that, and also temper the the level of discipline that we administer in a given situation, or temper our um, grading. You know, do they get a zero because they didn't put their name on the the assignment? That might be harsh. You know, you're probably going to get some feedback on that. Now, having a strong admissions procedure, I underlined this one, speaking of underlines, that only admits families that really seem to be a great fit for the school. We've put a lot of focus on this this year because we had a couple that, frankly, um, that I let in that uh, One, for sure, during the process the previous year, I knew in my spirit wasn't wasn't the right fit. I had nothing on paper to go with. It just didn't feel right, you know, And praying about it. And I talked to those parents about it. I said, I have a reservation. I don't know what it is, but I just have discernment that this may not be the right spot. But I went ahead and moved forward and let them come. No, we feel good about it, they said, you know, and all that. And I believe your school is the right fit. Well, anyway, it just proved to be a bad fit. And so sometimes just following the leading of the spirit plays a a role in that. But um, certainly not compromising your admission standards and being clear on those, whoever oversees that, whether that's administrators. um, I guess it would be ultimately administrators and the board. But but if you have a committee of parents that helps or whatever the setup is for uh, interviews and so forth, just be thorough about that. Uh, don't be rushed about that process because you admit the wrong family, and it's not just wrong for you; it's wrong for them. It, it's not any better to admit them out of compassion for you know the fact that uh, the child has had um, physical issues that haven't worked well in schools in the past or whatever it may be, and you want to reach out and and uh, you make a mistake, and it just doesn't work for either one when we do those kinds of things so admissions policy and procedure being clear about that I would put it in writing uh, we've done that just some, some reminders to ourselves about being, being wise about that fit because that'll solve a lot of your issues right there won't it? okay another thing we can do is be good listeners 82 percent of those polled according to this organization So they prefer to talk to people who are great listeners rather than those who are great speakers. And I don't think that's a surprise to us, is it? Again, we want that kind of open door. Let me shift gears just a little bit. Um, See if you have come across parents that would come into this category, any one of these four. I thought, what, what types of problem parents can we have and see if you may be able to add to these, but controllers is one I came up with. They want to control aspects of the school that really are not meant to be under their direct supervision. Again, can we have input, feedback? Sure. Uh, respectful and appropriate feedback. But they don't need to come in and run the show, and, and uh, you want to squelch that kind of attitude, really, from being prevalent among your parents. What about special ones, as I titled them here? They want to be an exception to about every policy or procedure at the school, right? Um, they, don't, they shouldn't have to pay this fee. They shouldn't have to come to this meeting. They shouldn't, you know, and if you see a pattern of that, that's when it's a problem. If you see a pattern of control, uh, if you see a pattern of the next one or the, or the following, that's when we need to be concerned. It's not if somebody drops a ball one time They have a bad day and they come in, let off a little steam. We know when that kind of thing happens we can take it in stride, pray with them, pray for them and and move on. So these are consistent patterns. But uh, the next category, again, we have controllers then those who view themselves as special ones and then dividers. uh, Very dangerous, right? Division means to have two visions. and Either they're with the school's vision, which is from God and is above us all. I mean, we didn't this isn't our vision. This is what we believe God has given us for the collective family that he brings to our school. Um, either they're with that vision or they have their own vision. That's all there is to it. And so what, that's why it's important to be so clear in our informational meetings and in our uh, information literature that we hand out, etc. about who we are because they're, they need to help us determine if they're a good fit. But once they're in again, if they're not a good fit, we can have have dividers, and I say, how to define them basically is they want to divide and conquer in the sense of making converts to themselves. Maybe different definitions for that, but that that seems to be a pattern I've seen in the past. I, I think of that scene in Facing the Giants where that I think it's a board member is talking to the assistant coach. He's kind of got him off behind the the workout shed or whatever it is, and he's saying, "Hey, you know, we don't we don't think." This guy's, you know, the head coach needs to be coaching more. We think you ought to be. And he's dividing. I mean, that's what he's doing. He's bringing division, and uh, it's unhealthy for, for a body. Or you have complainers, and we're not sure what they want. They just consistently want something other than what you're giving them, right? So, uh, again, controllers, special ones, dividers, complainers. And how did the Lord respond to complaining Israel? In the Old Testament. Was he 40 years of wandering in the desert? That's right. He wasn't real big on complaining. We have specific commands. Do not grumble or complain. And again, somebody can have a bad day, and we're understanding, we're loving. And we, while I'm saying we're loving, I should mention too, we don't just love the parents that are big fans of our schools. We love the parents and love the families uh, the children of those who aren't a good fit to, right? We want what's best for them. We want them to be successful. We do love them. Uh, we should not operate in frustration toward them. We should not operate in a way that is, is unprofessional toward them, ugly toward them. Christ, as a sister pointed out, Christ is a standard, and he would have us treat them well, right? As long as they're in the school, let's be an example to them, but we need to set standards for them and boundaries for them. And they're either going to respect that and make a change or they're going to not respect that, disrespect it, and they're going to need to move on. That's all there is to it. Did you come up with any other problem, parents? Victims. Excuse-making parents. Those who don't do what they say they're going to do, they don't follow through. Uninvolved, Uninvolved yeah, that's a, that's a problem in our model especially, isn't it? Yeah, they're not going to make it. And, and that's usually the case. These, these typically won't make it long as long as you don't placate those issues. Um, let's talk quickly about meeting with them face-to-face. I just think in these cases we, we have to sit down with them and confront Lovingly, again, uh, I think in a parent oh, kind of mentality, fatherly, motherly with them, uh, they're, they're in these cases wrong. Now, uh, again, it may be a lot, a lot of it may go back to the fact that we shouldn't have admitted them. And we may have to admit that we shouldn't have admitted them and, um, and deal with it. But invite the parent to, to have a sit, seat, to sit down. Uh always pray with them. I like to pray for their child. They usually are concerned about their children, uh, obviously at, at school, and how things are impacting them. You want to, again, listen well. And, and that means largely reflecting and identifying with what you can from what they're saying. Hearing them as well as you can. Being aware of those nonverbal cues. Um, that that we could pass along to them. You want your expression to be pleasant, making good eye contact, all those all those good things. Using the right tone. We know from Proverbs 15:1 that a soft answer turneth away wrath. So if they're raising their voice, if they're worked up, kind of go the opposite direction, even get softer in your reply. You don't want to feed that fire. It's not going to get you anywhere. Uh, Choose your words wisely. Mark Twain said the difference between the right word and the almost right word is the difference between lightning and the lightning bug. I'm going to skip that one. Three things to do as we have parents that that are posing problems to our school is, uh, number one, to pray. You know, we consistently pray that the Lord would bring those who need to be at our school to our school and that He also provides another spot for those that don't need to be at our school. And we've seen Him just move move them out without our having to do much of anything. Uh, Other times, again, we have to confront. And, and, And so you just have to be sensitive to what's going to be necessary in each given case. But avoid playing their game, as they put it here, or allowing the behavior to spread. You don't want the gossip or the complaining or the you know, whatever it is to uh, be a cancer in your, in your family, in your body. Especially if you're an administrator-type role, you're there to protect the school in part and, um, and serve as a shepherd in that respect. So you're going to chase, chase off again the aspect that's hurting the, the family, the body. Uh, communicate with the family about the behavior that needs to stop and just be as specific as you can, uh, again, to get their attention and, and show them the opportunity to, to change. Has anybody ever been confronted properly and made a change for the better? I have. And, and that should be our hope. It should be our desire that somebody makes an adjustment. Mom or dad makes an adjustment and we're able to move on. Uh, the issues Done. They're not trying to control anymore. They're not complaining like they were. Um, They're not driving your staff crazy because they're they're an exception on every turnaround. But uh, communicate those things specifically. What needs to stop? Let's talk briefly. We've touched on it, but when does the school need to say enough and draw a permanent line that this is not working for? the school. It's when a family seems to stay disgruntled. Again, you see a pattern. Um, Have that discussion with them face-to-face. You know, say, basically, I I question the fifth year. I did this, not this past school year, but the year before with a family. They had come uh, for the third year in a row. Big issue, you know, a lot of drama over it. And I just said to them, with a smile on my face, this is the third year. my understanding is because I hadn't even been there the first year um, but the third year that you guys have had a real concern about whether we can meet your needs I mean we weren't doing anything wrong, but they were just very dissatisfied. Are we going to be able to please you? you know are you going are you going to find this a, a place that that works for your family and they said, yeah, we call it. The such and such meltdown. They had a name for it every year about the same time. Uh, they, they hit the spot and, uh, and yet it was an ongoing thing. And so when we confronted it, they decided to move on. And I think that was the best thing for their family and for the school. When a family is divisive, gossiping or complaining to other families, make, uh, making followers of themselves, harming the other, the culture, I should say, and the climate of the school, you know, that's certainly a time to sit down, have a very serious conversation with, with the family, and uh, to hit it head on. Don't shy away from it. Don't be Mickey Mouse about it. Uh, do it with a lot of authority, because that's a serious issue. It's a serious issue in the body of Christ. It's a serious issue in our schools. And it will, it will cause factions. It will cause problems along a lot of lines. Another time when we might need to say enough or when we do need to say enough is when a family regularly wants to be an exception. We talked about that to rules and procedures when you see a pattern there. When a parent also is willing to demonstrate disrespect to teachers and staff, Uh did not agree to admit a family recently because uh, one big red flag happened in turning in the application, she went, I don't want to say went off, but I mean she started to criticize our administrative staff on some of the communications. Well, we had deliberately done what we had done. We had reasons for that, but she did just came in like a bulldozer and let our admissions coordinator and uh, my AA just have it. And uh, that, that really did it be an exception. But it really just confirmed because on the application uh, the teacher that had filled out a recommendation for both girls that they were looking to put on our school had rated uh, the girls low on attitude toward teacher, attitude toward school. So look for those little red flags. They, they're there for a reason. That's why, again, we need to be careful about admissions. Why does a first grader say, when you ask her why she wants to come to your school, to have, she says to have nice teachers. That's a concern. Has she not had nice teachers? How did she know they weren't nice teachers? So it's bad news. You know, I called that family and had to say, I'm sorry, I just don't think this is this is it. And they they actually admitted that you know they had this issue. Um also so again that let me just recap those. Uh disgruntledness that's his continual division. Um that is on an ongoing basis as well, when there's constant exceptionalities, the perspective that they're coming with. And when a parent is willing again to just be disrespectful toward your staff, it's not worth the headache. They're gonna they're gonna dissatisfy everyone and and depress everybody. You know, and I'll say this again, if they're not the right fit for the school and vice versa, that means we are hindering the will of God if we keep them on board. There's a better place for their kids, there's a better place for their family. So just go there. You know that is fine. We can part ways in this life. We will see you in the next. Or if we run into you at, you know, Walmart or wherever it is in town, we'll love on you there. Ask how the kids are. Again, we're not ugly or hateful, or we're a little relieved, but we're, <laughs> but we're not ugly, right? Okay. I want to let's see. We just have a few minutes here. I want to group everybody, and we'll do this quickly. But I have three vignettes so I wanted to get it let's see can we have a group right here consider this issue together and when you come to a resolution here in a few minutes you'll have a spokesperson just tell what you came up with okay and it's a pretty, pretty big group but um, why don't we put this here in the middle and do from this table back address that one if you can Probably should have done four. I thought three would be plenty. But basically, these are three different vignettes. Uh, you're, you're three different roles, but they're all administrative staff roles. And so consider the issue, kind of group together, and, and everybody listen to one person, read it out, and give your feedback. We'll come back for that in just a second.